We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You're in Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus or Maxime today, but sitting in on their co-host chair, Mr. Tony Frasero. What's going on, Tony? How you doing, Bram? Thanks for having me. Of course. And rejoining me after far too long. Finally back on the clock after what looked to be a very productive offseason. The Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle. A man who attends every single Warriors press conference, practice, shoot around in game. A soothsayer who was able to predict game-ending turnovers by Jordan Poole with frightening fucking accuracy. And the man I know will always have a take on any movie I care to text him on, Mr. C.J. Holmes. What's going on, C.J.? Thanks for having me back. You know, it seems like every time you introduce me, it's like joining us after way too long. Like, maybe we should just, like, do this more often. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not a <laughs> subtle hint I'm trying to drop. I feel like I am specifically asking for that. Um, and I'll, I'll add even more pressure. So remind me, this is right before year three for you. Yeah, this is the third year you've been on the beat? Uh, the second full season. So it's just like entering year two and a half, I guess. Nah. All right. Well, yeah. I'm, then I'll, I'll change the analogy. Most franchise players, you know, like people who are trying to reach their, their potential, do it right about between that second or third year. So you envisioning a huge year for you uh, on the beat? I mean, what, what are our expectations entering into this next season? Well, that's 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 what I'm hoping. You guys know I'm always going to do my best to, you know, give Warriors fans, you know, the most insightful, fair coverage I can. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this will be the third Warriors team I've been around. Um, you know, first year they won the championship. You know, a lot of excitement in this year. Who knows? Maybe they can do it again. Um, but, you know, looking forward to going into this year with you know a year more experience have done the full 82 plus postseason and you know i got a, i got a better idea of you know how to do the job and i'm just hoping to take that to the next level and you know see where it takes me tony do you feel like when he said fair coverage that was aimed at me it felt like maybe that was a shot i'm not sure i wasn't sure <laughs> exactly been, how to interpret it maybe another pot out there who knows <laughs> <laughs> And Tony, also, while I got you on the mic here, I warned you before we hit record that the co-host seat doesn't get the intro, you know, that, that we weren't going to be able to go through the multi bullet points while you were sitting through CJ's. Did my warning help at all? Were you a little bitter that we didn't go through one for you? I mean, how, how, what's your neurotic level? Well, much like CJ, what's the first thing I said to you? It's like, Hey, it's been way too long. And it's been so long that I had to update my, my fucking zoom. So yeah, it hurt. It stung a lot. Thank you. Good. That's what I was hoping for. And if it makes you feel any better, CJ had to update his Zoom as well. So clearly it's been way too long for both of you gentlemen. So long, in fact. So we have one segment planned for today. It's a brand new one. I well, brand new one for you guys. Um, old one for the audience. And luckily enough, it's hell of easy, right? So we call it nope. Yep. I'm going to give you a question. You give me a straightforward nope. Yep. To, uh, to respond to it and then we'll dig in a little bit and figure out the answer cj is this an honor of e40 of course dude yes and as we speak yep. right now we can't hear it because maxime's not with us yet <laughs> but as we speak that very song is playing right underneath us so the audience already knows the uh the <laughs> connection i mean that didn't take a huge leap to understand that that was probably a nope yep thing cj i mean of course it's an <laughs> e40 uh an e40 reference Here's our first question, and it's one that I have been batting around nonstop. All right. The question is, should Chris Paul start 
during the regular season for the Golden State Warriors. Um, CJ, why don't you take us first? What do you think? Yep or nope? Nope. Um, you know, as we talked about, you know, before on this pod, I just don't think it makes much sense for the Warriors. Um, considering Chris Paul's age and the workload that he's put on, you know, the workload that he's put on his legs and body throughout the years and, you know, signs of obvious decline. Um, I just don't think it makes sense to throw him in the starting lineup and keep that game to game workload so high. You know, I believe that this works out the best way with Chris coming off the bench and keeping a Kavon Looney in the starting lineup. Um, you know, first of all, if you start Chris, you're going to be extremely small. Uh, that'd be an interesting offensive team to watch. Uh, but, you know, defensively, you're going to be extremely small. And again, like this guy's going to be out there, you know, playing heavy minutes. Now, granted, just because he starts doesn't mean he has to play starter minutes. But, you know, the Warriors had the best starting five in the NBA last season. Um, you know, the number that's not just me saying that, it's the numbers. And if it ain't broke, why would you mess with that? Um, why would you mess with the synergy of that five-man group? You know, what needs help uh, more than anything on this Warriors team is that second unit, and that's somewhere where Chris can come in, um, and it just it just wins all around. Not only are you limiting his workloads out there in spurts, um, you know, he's throwing lobs, Jonathan Kaminga, Trace Jackson Davis, if he can get on the court, getting open shots from Moses Moody. Um, that's something that the Warriors just didn't have a lot of. You know, Jordan Poole running that second unit last year, it's a lot of padding the ball. Um, you know, some hero ball here and there, a lot of scoring, him pool looking to score. They didn't really have, you know, they had Ty Jerome on the roster, but Ty Jerome ain't the ain't the passer that Chris Paul is. <laughs> it's like I mean, obviously, right? Um so I think that I, I think that Chris coming off the bench makes more sense, but you know, then again, I'm not Steve Kerr, I'm not Mike Dunleavy Jr. I don't know what they might be thinking, but you know, if I'm in those coaches, coaches meetings, um, that'll be my two cents. I feel like I should say you coaching, but I won't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take that. <laughs> I'm not hanging fruit. Yeah, it felt, uh, <laughs> it felt too easy. I have um, some angry opinions about this, but before I get to them, Tony, similar? Nope. Yep. For you? Nope. Yeah. And, nope. and the, the biggest reason I won't be too long winded is his style complements the younger guys better because we've heard all the whole time they've struggled with the read and react and the motion and all that stuff. So slowing it down a little bit for Kaminga, Moody, all those guys should elevate them and give them something in the second unit that they've struggled a little bit with. Um, and that's raising everyone's level, keeping the lead or extending the lead. So I would say, nope. And really at the end of the day, does it matter? It's who, who's on the floor at the end to close the game? You know, what happens in between, but he's got that record, right? I think that that's going to be the, the elephant in the room. What record? The the unbroken starting record that he has never, yeah, never set a game. Most games started ever in the history, you know, in a row. So we'll see. But no, I don't I don't think it benefits them. And given the NBA season, there's probably gonna be plenty of times for him to start when guys are hurt, guys are load managing. Joe Lacob's taking the fine for sitting all the starters, you know. Uh, um, so we're gonna talk about sitting starters in a moment before we get there. Here's what I'm angry about. So we brought in Chris Paul to fix old problems, not revisit old fucking problems. So we had problems in the second unit. We knew that. Yeah. And Jordan Poole got shipped out for someone who is far more steady than Chris Paul. I'm on board. I believe in it. Let's go. But if they start him instead of fixing the second unit, we're revisiting the possibility of a locker room problem again. For what? I mean, the we knew all year last year and we've revisited it a thousand times this offseason. What happened last year wasn't talent. They had issues in the locker room. We had chemistry stuff, and we've heard it either blatantly or insinuated 
from everybody. If this season starts by having to sit somebody, they sit Clay or somebody like that, there's no way that's not going to have some impact in the locker room. And I'll tell you right now, boys, as a fan who's looking forward to this year, we can't start this year with another problem behind the scenes. Like, if nothing else, this stuff needs to be worked out, which leads to my next question, all right? The question is, do you gentlemen think they discussed what Chris Paul's role was going to be with Chris Paul before they made the trade? Because I'll go first on this one. It feels like, nope. It fe- I mean, the I would have loved in a perfect world before any of this was announced, Mike Dunleavy has a call with Chris Paul, says, this is what we're picturing. This is what we want, you know, and this is how we think that you can help us. And he either says yes or no. We, they have that you coaching criticism off, you know, off the, the public sphere. And the fact that he came in here and all of this is is now an issue and it hasn't already been settled makes me feel like there wasn't a discussion beforehand. But what's your guys guess? You know, did, was is this just the public spinning their wheels because it's offseason, you know, and they got to talk about it. And secretly, the team knows what's going to happen and they just haven't gone public. Or is there some real I don't know, um, ambiguity out there. Do they not know? Was this role not discussed? Um, either of you, what do you think? I, nope. see. I don't think see. so. Every, everything around the trade deadline moves too fast. And if you ask Chris Paul, you might get the answer of, no, I don't want to do that, as opposed to getting him here and saying, okay, now you have to do it. So I don't think they had that deep of a conversation, if any conversation at all. But CJ probably knows better than I do. I would just say that there's probably maybe some type of conversation because, you know, again, like that trade doesn't happen unless everyone in the organization is on the same page. That trade doesn't happen unless Mike Devin Levy Jr. has those conversations with Steph and, and Clay and Draymond and, and different like guys on the team, like yeah. head figures on this team. Um, maybe like – I mean, maybe like the exact minutia of the role wasn't fleshed out. I mean, I'm sure there are things that aren't fleshed out, but I think that, you know, and then again, a player of Chris Paul's caliber, I mean, I would imagine that he has some power over this trade too. If he straight up told the Warriors, no, I'm not playing, you know, I'm not, I'm straight up like not doing that. You know, like he had to have a conversation with Chris before the trade went down. Yeah. And I don't think they make the trade. I think Chris Paul is playing elsewhere and for for the 2023-24 season. Um, but I think there was a general understanding before the deal went down and deal went down. And I still think there's more, probably more that needs to be fleshed out in training camp on exactly what that's going to look like. Um, but I, I, I would imagine that'd be some type of conversation. I sure hope so. Um, and I'll say that the new nature of this role for Mike D like if I'm Mike Dunleavy and it's a brand new role, you know, and I'm just kind of fitting into what it means to be a GM and I'm taking over for a dynastic GM um, that preceded me, I would be pretty nervous about swinging for the fences, you know, about making a big ass move like you would getting rid of Jordan Poole, a brand new uh, recently signed player for Chris Paul. And I'd hope that you do all the due diligence before you fucked around with something like that. Um, And I guess we'll see pretty quick. This isn't a yup or no, but I want your opinion. So assume they have decided it. He is starting. And I know that's not what we said. And, you know, the the team will work this out. But they have decided that. They have to start Chris Paul for whatever reason. Who would you gentlemen sit from, as CJ put it, the most successful starting five in the league last year? So if it's up to you, who's on the bench? 
Oh man. Okay. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, <laughs> and Wiggins isn't. I mean, we can do it like through elimination. Yeah, right? yeah, like, I mean, Wiggins way. means you, too much. You Steph know Steph ain't going nowhere. Yeah. You need Wiggins out there to guard the perimeter. Yep. You know, you need Wiggins' defense and versatility. You don't pay Draymond a hundred thousand a hundred right. million over the next four years to come off the bench. Nope. And you need his defense too. And so I think yeah, those three are there. Like, and you know, Kevon Looney offers additional size. Now, granted, you could play smaller. You could move Dre to the five, Andrew to the four, Clay to the three, Steph to the two, Chris to the one. I mean, uh, you know, I know some people love off-ball Steph out here. So, I mean, that's just one thing. We think about Chris Paul starting and Chris Paul like integrating to his offense. I just think of like Chris Paul pounding at the top of the key and Steph and, and um Steph and Clay just like running the baselines, coming off pin downs, like getting open shots. Like that's what I envisioned. But um God. It it, it would have to be Kavon or Clay. And I but but if you bench Clay, I don't know how that goes over with him, like psychologically. The locker room, exactly right. It's a yeah. selfish choice, CJ. I mean, we we yeah. either give up all of our size, just all of our size, you know, or yeah. we create the locker room problem that I don't want, you know? And so that's Sophie's choice. If it's up to you, who do you sit, man? What do you, what do you do there? I, I, I think, think it has all, to be Wiggins. Ah, but he's, he's the fucking key to the season next year. I do think thing, that right? so Tony's if, if, point though, Wiggins would take it the best though. Oh, he wouldn't care. I well, feel like yeah, he'd be fine. He'd go out to dinner and be like, neither would Kevon. Kevon wouldn't care either. He does what's asked of him. Right. But here's the thing. If Looney is not on the floor, their biggest issue is not defense, it's rebounding, yeah. right? Defensive rim. So you almost have to put Wiggins, if you have to pick one, Clay's not going to go to the bench, right? He wouldn't go to the bench for Jordan Poole. Why would he go for Chris Paul? And then Wiggins could come into that second unit and give you maybe that fire, that rebounding, that defense that they lack. And that's the conundrum they're in is who do you piss off? or not piss off and, and how do you juggle it? I, mean, I think where we end there, because I don't, the idea, I, I think Wiggins is the second most important piece to this team. Uh, the most important piece to the team, not named Steph Curry. Uh, and so the way that we have broken this down, the only person who can sit in this analysis is Chris Paul. What are we doing? <laughs> like, what are we doing? Why, why are we breaking yeah. our back to, to figure out, you know, mental gymnastics of like, how does the locker room not, hate each other while still being able to play. We already have that. It's Chris Paul off the bench. Um, it, it, CJ, this is a guess, right? You, I, I know that you haven't had a chance to sit down and we don't know yet, but do you think there's real legs to this? So, so this story feels like an aggregation. Um, I know that um, Marcus Spears, I think was the first per or Mark Spears was the first person to report it. And then it started appearing in other sites who seemingly just aggregated Spears. Spears says on a podcast, I think there's legs to Chris Paul starting. And then a bunch of other smaller outlets start saying there's legs that, you know, this guy might be starting. So just based on the information available to you, CJ, do you think there's real legs to this or is, is the most likely scenario Paul coming off the bench? Well, I mean, look, Mark, Mark Spears is one of the best in the business. Um, he has a great source sources. He does a job at a high level. And if someone's telling him that there's a chance that the Warriors are going to start Chris Paul, I mean, you got to at least think there might be something to that. He's not just hearing that. I haven't heard that. Um, but 
I, I think that just plays into more of just the uncertainty of this whole thing. Sure. And it should be certain, right? Like when you met you, you know, you can take this back to Vegas when Chris talked to the media for the first time. I, there was just a different way. I feel like he could have handled that in order to, you know, push off some of this drama. Right. But, you know, because of what Chris said in Vegas, <laughs> right, that's why this is such a big mystery. Like, is he going to start? Is he not going to start? Um, so uh, maybe the coaching staff, they don't even know yet. They just yeah. want to, you know, get the guys on the court here in a couple of weeks and just actually, you know, see what it looks like, you know, in both scenarios. Um, you know, I, I know we'll know soon. We'll know soon, though. <laughs> Well, how about this perspective, guys? They had the best starting lineup last year, mm-hmm. and they got bounced in the second round of the playoffs. So maybe it's not about having the best starting lineup. It's about having the most even lineup so you can close games and win games. So if you take it from that perspective, instead of saying, hey, they have to start off the game good, no, you have to weather the storms in the middle and and close the game. So maybe it's not the best to have the starting best starting lineup. Um, but a more average one so that everyone else can succeed throughout the game. Just throwing that out there. Well, no, no, the, the idea, what's more important, who finishes, who starts? Of course it's who finishes. We learned that through four titles. I mean, that, that, that's a foregone conclusion in my mind, but it doesn't from take a fan perspective. Yeah. Well, it doesn't take a away the drama starting right. sometimes is more important. Of course it doesn't take away the drama and the possible locker room stuff, man. And yeah. I, and I tell you what, Tony, that, so what speaks to me about this? I didn't know that stat. I just hadn't seen it. I don't have the games in front of me. But however many years Chris Paul has been in the league, which is a considerable amount of years, and however many games he's been in both regular seasons and playoffs, there's one thing that is similar on every single one of those games. Every one of them. He started. Everyone. You know, and he's in a vulnerable place, dude. If I had been cut from my former team and I'm kind of figuring out where I am, I, the, I would really want to establish to the world I still have it. And if I had started every game other, it'd be hard in this new role to not. And so, Tony, make this, and I didn't prepare you for this, all right, but make this mm-hmm. improv theater because you're a coach, you know, and, and you yeah. deal with uh, players all the time. If you went to talk to Chris Paul and you know, you know, you're Steve Kerr, you want him to be on the second unit. How do you sell it? What would you underline to say, okay, you know, how, how, do, how do you head your way through this locker room issue before it even begins? Well, I think the first thing I would make known is, are you all about the team and winning your first ring? And if he says yes, then he can't really say anything else because of all those games he started, Bram, how many times did he finish on top? Of course. Zero, right? So I think when you're 38, you've elevated players around you, sometimes roles change, you know? I think when when all those guys went to the Lakers, what was that? When Carmelo, and someone had to come off the bench, right? Of course, yeah. So um, everyone at some point in their career gets an ego check. When's that going to be for Chris Paul? Who knows? I love it. CJ, so if Tony went up to Chris Paul was like, you want to win a championship? And he says, yes. And Tony goes, fuck you. You're coming off the bench. Too bad, buddy. <laughs> New role for you. Let's see where this goes. It might cut right to the heart of the issue. Um, gentlemen, something tells me we'll be talking about this all year. So I'm going to push well, us. To- well, one more thing. He should be given the opportunity in training camp to earn a starting spot. So if he beats people out, he should start. So I think I think there's a lot up in the air that you can't determine now because last year was last year. And as CJ knows, it changes all the time daily in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So if he comes in and is a better fit to start, 
and we might see him starting. Yeah, I mean, I so hook, line, and sinker. I trust their decision making. Is what it is. You know, I've never coached the team, um, but I can tell you that going into training camp before this stuff, my theme for this year was run it back. You know, I mean, that's what they figured out is like we we didn't make minute changes, not major ones, and it was chemistry that held us back. The, the, what we're talking about now would be a major change. Uh, and I, it just changes the theme, but also you gotta, you know, you roll with a hand that's been dealt. So I guess we'll see. Like I said, I'm sure we're gonna revisit this. The next topic, nope and yep. So there's a new rule, gentlemen, um, aimed at resting stars. Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA is tired of having stars purposely sit out games. So now they have a new rule. CJ, I'm going to ask you a nope yep. It's going to be, do you think this rule hurts the Warriors? But before we get to your nope yep, Tony, what is the rule? Give us give us a quick overview on it. Yeah, so in a nutshell, they've said uh, they've designated players who in the last two or three years have been either an all-star or all-NBA. And if you have one or more of those players on your team, two of them cannot sit out the same time unless they're actively injured and just not playing you know um if you do sit one of those out there's a fine for the first a small fine for the first time gets a little larger the second time i think the third or fourth one's like a million dollars a game um really trying to promote hey if you're on the tail end of a back-to-back in new orleans you can't sit all four guys because fans came to see somebody play you know, uh, paying three hundred dollars to watch Brad Wanamaker doesn't really f- excite too many people. Brad can hit the three. I'll have you know that right now. The now uh, with the Warriors. Now with the Warriors. I, I think the way the rule is phrased at that back end is that it's a million more than the previous violation. So if they get fined oh, a million that one count. time, then it's two million, then it's three million. Oh, it's five, I missed and, that part. And, and, yeah. and up it escalates, which is how the NBA is handling it. So CJ. Warriors are a little older, you know, and I imagine they wouldn't mind some scheduled rest. What do you think, dude? Does this does this hurt the Warriors in any way? Yep. I mean, Steph's 35, Clay and Dre are what, 33? All three of them have had pretty significant injuries in the last, you know, three to five years. It's led to the that's led to them having extended stretches on the inactive list. Um, you know, this is a Warriors team, at least, you know, since I have been on the beat that has its success has hinged on the way they manage players throughout the season and the rest that they can find those little pockets of rest to get these guys. So guys aren't, you know, overexerted. So guys can stay fresh throughout the length of the 82 game season. You know that, you know, Steve Kerr has been advocating for a 72 game season for forever for this very same reason. Um, But it's going to hurt, especially when you throw into the factor that you're bringing in like a 38 year old Chris Paul and starting to, you know, not every you can't rest multiple guys on the same night or else you're going to get fined. And for a team that's already like deep shit, like, I'm sorry, that's like knees deep in the luxury tax. I mean, what are you apologizing for? It's been too long. It has been too long. I mean, I've been upset. You haven't cussed yet. Yeah. um, You know, there's certain ways they can manage it. Um, You know, if guys are actually hurt, then they can like miss time. Um, I, I think that's what the rule says. And um, there are exceptions, I think, for I don't have the exact numbers for for guys who have played so many minutes and so many clear games. Um, but still, all this means is that rest is going to be, you know, very scarce for these guys this year. Um, so, you know, whether it's heavier minutes restrictions for these guys, maybe that's how you do it. Um, like, all right, he's available, right? Yeah, but you right. Know, we're only going to play him 10 minutes tonight, you know, five <laughs> to 10 minutes tonight. He's available, you know, Um 
you know, teams will find a way to finesse it in whatever way they can. But, you know, it, it does hurt. It does hurt not knowing that you can, you know, that you, you're you losing the ability to sit your guys uh, when you see fit. I've got a finessed way to get around it. You boys tell me if it's ridiculous. And I, I so I'll be transparent. I was going to sell this as mine. It's not. I stole it from online. In fact, I stole it from Twitter. Uh, Warriors World, who we work with all the time, and Sheed, who runs that account, suggested this out there, and I liked it. And so I was going to steal it, but I'll give him credit. What he said was, just tell the boys to go out there and get three fouls immediately. You know, the, in the first 10 seconds, have Steph rack up three fouls. Um, and then you, know, you got to sit him. You know, it is what it is. And then may, maybe you put him in to foul out, you know, in the second half or something. You you creatively uh, give a reason for why he's not out there. So two questions on that. One, could they pull that off? And two, and, and maybe more importantly, um, and I want you to use your role as a player, because both of you boys played, you know, pretty successfully for a very long time. Could they do that? Like, could you pretend to foul somebody without it being very obvious, you know, without it, like with the NBA, without the NBA knowing exactly what you're trying to do and then finding you anyways. It, it's, it's similar to flopping to me. If you're going to, you know, do that way. Like it's, it's like, you're not slick. Like everyone in the arena knows what's going on. Like we just saw, you know, like everyone in the arena knows that steps on the second game of a back-to-back and played 40 minutes the other night. And now you just has three fouls in the, what if, he, like, what if he's really upset? You know, he like he, he screams at the ref and he's like, no, of course maybe like, not. Maybe like one time you can get away with it. But like <laughs> if it happens like again, it's going to be like very obvious what's going on. You know, Tony, what do you think? Well, I think that answer is twofold. One, guys wouldn't want to do that because it affects their stats. Right. So if you go in the game and don't score, all of a sudden your scoring average goes down. And two, and CJ, I need your help with this. Mm-hmm. I don't think as a player. They want load management. These guys want to play. The load management is coming from Rick Celebrini and the data. But if you said to Clay Thompson, hey, you're playing this back-to-back, he's all in. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. The players no, aren't no. asking to sit out. Yeah, last back in January, um, where were we here? I think we're in Minnesota or something. Pissed, right? Yeah, Steph, Steph told, the, told the media, like, look, I just want to get one thing straight. Like, the decision to rest, like, it's not us. Like it's rarely falls on the players. It's it's the it's the coaching staff, it's the training staff, and it's you know there's a lot of numbers. He said there's a lot of numbers that go into it. Mm-hmm. A lot of you know, um, like you said, but uh, you know, and even Clay, you know, Clay was he co- consistently like voiced his like frustration with not being able to play in back to backs early last season. He thought he was ready. Um, yeah. Training staff did not. So yeah, to your point, like it, it's rarely the player's decision, you know, right. to rest. So you were, you were a player. What if the coach came and said, Hey, you're, you're not playing tonight. Like, well, that's what I do for a living. Right. That's what I, <laughs> I I'm here to play. I like to compete. So uh, yeah. I think, I think the solution will be players might get less minutes and yeah. the head coaches and the staff are going to have to figure out a way to drop four or five minutes a game on certain games where they need to be load managed or something like that. But the, Unless you get kicked out in warmups, that'd be a, that'd be a good yeah, way to go. do it. You could just start you throwing shit at fans. I'll have you boys yeah. know that I would sit if I was a player and they came to me. Like I'd, I would tell, I'd be okay with sitting on back to backs occasionally. <laughs> and I feel like some, so you're right. Clay Thompson's not sitting a game unless forced to. Um, and I bet, I don't know if that's true for everybody. I bet you Draymond would understand it. Not from like a competitive standpoint. Of course he wants to play, but I think if you came to him and explained the, you know, like we're saving you. I think Draymond would be like me. I think he'd be okay with sitting out the occasional back-to-back. Um, I think Wiggins Especially if they're playing it. a lower-level team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Draymond, sure. I no think problem. he'd get it, you know? And Steph, 
I think most of the time Steph wants to play, but I bet you he wouldn't mind sitting the occasional, mm-hmm. you know, second half of a back-to-back just to preserve the title run, you know, like well, for what it's for, not because he doesn't want to play NBA basketball. Um, hey, one more thing to that. So the rules say that players have to be available, but the NBA can't mandate, like, who plays. That's the coach's decision. Like, so they can be available. Like, yes, Steph Curry is available tonight. He is on the bench. He is dressed. But Steph Curry ain't playing tonight. You know what I'm saying? You just you get the DNP, right? Yeah, like, the, the NBA can't enforce that you know, on a team-to-team thing. Like, that's the coach's decision decides who plays and how many minutes. The NBA can't. They can't do anything about that. CJ, I love that you said, all right. It's not believable if Steph goes out there and gets three fouls early on. Everyone will be see like just see right through that. But it would be believable for Steve Curry to be like, you know who we didn't need tonight? Steph. It's like, nah, I coach's decision, dude. Like he, you know, he we just didn't need any of his skill set. It was what it was. Off the bus and he just didn't have it. It wasn't there. And it's kind of weak defensively. You know, we didn't want to give up a lot on that position. So is what it is. Also, we didn't need anything from Wiggins or Draymond, too. It's weird. We sat all of them tonight, but you know, in fact, uh, they were all out last night partying and punishment. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Team and, and they almost got thrown out during warmups. I don't know if you guys saw that, but you know, they were they were trying that too, which is why we couldn't play them. Here's a nope. Yep. I've been waiting to ask you specific, CJ. This uh this news came out in a bunch of different ways. It resurfaced recently. I'm gonna play you a quick quote, if my technology allows, from Yanni Santatacumpo. My question to mm-hmm. you is: do the Warriors have a shot? At Yanni's at some point in the future, I'm going to ask for a yop up or nope. Yep. But before let's hear Yanni's. Long as we play and we approach the game every single day, the right way. And we all sacrifice for a common goal. I can see myself being in Milwaukee Bucks for the rest of my career. But the moment I feel like people are not committed as a, as, as I am to get that uh, golden pin in the back, I, I, I am not. You know, I am, I'm a Milwaukee Buck, but most importantly, I'm a winner. I want to win. And uh, I have to do whatever it takes for me to win. And if there's a better situation for me to win the Larry O'Brien, I, I have to take that better situation. Watching all three of those guys just like bob their heads in unison was special. <laughs> and, oh, and they also know as it's happening that they're getting gold and that they're going to get a thousand clicks per minute based on that mm-hmm. tag. Um, mm-hmm. But CJ, he's a winner. He's a buck, but he's also a winner. And he's looking for a scenario that will, you know, give him a path towards the Larry O'Brien trophy. Do we got a shot, man? What do you think? Nope or yep? I think that the Bucks are going to exhaust every option to build like a winning team around Giannis. However, comma, if they fail to do so, yeah, the Warriors got a shot to sign him. And you already kind of get that sense that he's interested. And, you know, it's going to, depending on when that is, it's going to take some serious roster retooling because bringing in Giannis into the equation, you know, you're going to have to move some things around, you know, especially from like a money standpoint. So the, you know, it may, and that might include breaking up the trio, but um, you know, whether that's, I don't know like what Giannis's current contract is, but whether that's next off season or two off seasons from now, I mean, um, yeah, I think the Warriors got a shot, but I think the Bucks are going to do everything in their power to you know, make sure that doesn't happen. The Bucks have already, they have two of his brothers on the team. This offseason, they signed a second Antetokounmpo brother on there. And it wouldn't surprise me if, like, before the season started, his yeah. grandmother was, like, the trainer and his dad <laughs> was working you know, behind the bench. And, like, of course, I would do the exact same thing. Hire 
everybody, anything you want, dude. Like, Giannis, what's your favorite food? Suddenly they have eight stalls in the arena <laughs> that's selling just that. Like, it is up to you, buddy. Uh, Tony, if you were the younger brother of an NBA superstar and a team reached out and signed you, and I mean, you could see the writing on the wall, they did that because they want you to be a locker room guy for the brother, not a player on the floor. Would you just be happy for the opportunity? Fuck it, take the check, you're running around? Or would you be a little bit bitter everywhere you went because you know you knew why they they brought you on board 100 percent, i'd be all in because you know what making the nba is hard enough being the 12th man on the bench has to be the best gig in the world making money you don't have to perform you shoot around a little bit you go out and party oh sign me up twice hey, i'll be on the bench shooting arrows and yeah i'd be the biggest hype man I'd be, exactly i'd, do, I'd be, be the rally towel that's yeah I mean, I'd be, like ronnie turn college so it's natural for me uh, but yeah i would go i'd be even more for sale Every time, like the GM or the owner or anybody came into the locker room, I'd be sitting next to my brother, being like, "God, I love it here. Don't you love my or like Minnesota, or Jesus, Milwaukee? Like, isn't this the greatest place you've ever played ever?" And then look over to the GM, and give him a little like, "Oh, you see, you see what I'm up to? Like, you may want to, you may want to give me a max contract to keep this guy here." But will whoever lands Giannis need to keep two open roster spots for his brothers? That might be the hard part, fine. right? That's you need fine. three. Yeah, yeah no problem. let's go let's bring them on we can make one of them a mascot we haven't had anybody since thunder let's uh <laughs> let's make this happen all right boys my last question for you all right so cj and tony i've got a, a movie analogy a random ass movie analogy that i've been selling to people for the last couple of weeks comparing it to the warriors upcoming season and people are nice enough to like oh that's fun but i can't ever tell if it, it's if it's actually landing so it's a nope yep okay I'm going to give you this movie analogy. You tell me if it lands. All right. So it's a Rocky analogy. And you guys maybe don't have to have seen it. I can I can bring you up to speed. But Rocky was a very long-lasting series about a boxer who, you know, surcame all kind of odds to become the champion. And it had five, no, six titles. Rocky one, two, three, four, five. And then the last one they just called Rocky Balboa. In the first Rocky, Rocky had all the talent on world in the universe. He was strong. He was fast, but he was unknown. And so he didn't get an opportunity to go prove his shit. But once he did, even though no one saw him coming, he was able to dominate the current stars in that Rocky one and became an underdog out of nowhere champion. Gentlemen, that's the 2015 Warriors. That's the first season they had. They were as talented and as good and as loaded as anybody in the field, but no one had seen them do it. So they didn't expect it. It was an underdog journey. Rocky Balboa, Rocky six. At that point, he's won hella titles. He is hell of old. In fact, he has a brain injury. And so in that last one, he is a known quantity. Everybody knows how good he is. Everyone's expecting him to do well, but they don't know the limits of his age. The public is, is uncertain. And so for Rocky to win the title in Rocky six, everything has to go just right. He has to manage his age. He has to manage how he fights, when he fights, what he puts out there. And so at the end, the, you know, the final course he has to do to win the title that time is real specific. It's no longer youth or athleticism. It's knowledge. And he's overcoming expectations. That, gentlemen, is this year's Warriors team. All right. So there's my analogy. I've bo you have no idea how many people I bored with that. We went <laughs> to a concert for my daughter this last Saturday with some friends from school. And I didn't really know the parents. And I was like nervously talking throughout. 
I probably dropped that analogy like eight times to like varying people. They had to listen to it more than once. I think they got hella tired of it. So help me now that I look back on those. Nope or yep. Did it, did it land? Uh, CJ, why don't you give me your ruling first? Yep. Yep. It's like on the nose almost. Let's yeah. go. I've only seen like two of the Rocky movies, but <laughs> I was worried. I was worried that I see, you. I see what you're doing there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> I'll take it. Let's go, uh, Tony. I trust you've seen more than two. What do you think, man? Am I on the money here? Did Rocky win in in the last one? Oh yeah, he did. But it okay. was it was brutal. It was real hard to watch. So so I would say yep with a caveat that Rocky should have ended at Rocky four when he beat Ivan Drago. Right, that was Incredible the pinnacle movie. of Rocky. Incredible movie. And then he he gets through a couple more movies and wins, but really the the franchise was rebirthed with Creed, so they had to bring mm. in some new blood. So maybe we're kind of in the last stages of knocking some people out, but like Giannis, or we need to bring in some young blood to keep the franchise going. When, but the, uh, the analogy is pretty spot on. We're gonna need heart, and lots of stuff needs to go the right way this year for us to win. Uh, CJ, you know me well enough. I hated that Tony added to my analogy there. I wanted him just to go. Yep. I mean, and I hated that it actually landed that he's right with the Creed thing and that it kind of like improved it. And I hated how aggressively you nodded at his Creed thing. I mean, I didn't get any nods like that from you fucking during my Rocky shit. And so well, you can use that at the next concert with the random. I might, dad I, might I might use it with talk. fucking CJ the next time we have it on just because I know how much it goddamn lands. I also another unnecessary admission. I refused to watch Creed forever because I thought Rocky died in the first one. And like, I didn't want to like watch him die. And so I just, I wouldn't hop in. And then someone let me know that he didn't spoiler alert. And like, now I really like those movies. I'm, I'm yeah. all the way on board. In fact, I'll prepare a Creed analogy for the next one. You guys can, he, uh, he made it to the third Creed. Uh, I, be I believe he did. Although the third one. Oh. to be fair, I don't think I've seen the third one. So I'm, uh, okay. I'm not sure. And if there's a possibility he hasn't, I guess I'll never. No, see. I think he died in the second Creed. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I guess you saved me. Now I know if you would just, <laughs> I'll just stop right there at Creed 1. I, I handled that movie perfectly. Gentlemen, appreciate you. Um, I really enjoyed this. I know I'm not alone. CJ, let's go to you first, man. People who need way more CJ Holmes in their life, where can they enjoy this, uh, this up-and-coming third season? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and I guess whatever – uh, that thing that like threads at CJ. That's still a thing. <laughs> yeah, that threads thing, I guess. And um, we appreciate retweets in this household, not likes. Thank you. I periodically pat myself on the back by not only retweeting something from CJ, but the second I do, I text him a picture of it. And I mean, like, literally, it's like, hey, hey, look at this. Look what I've done. And like, hope that he's like, hey, good job. And so I'm not against the immediate attaboy. Tony, where can we find your work? Yeah, I'm also on Twitter uh, at T-F-R-A-C-S or at T-T-A Hoops. Um, yeah, I'm on there probably way too much than I need to be. I can associate with that. Unfortunately enough, I won't pimp out our stuff. You guys know where to find us. Um, with that in mind, go Warriors! And if you need a phenomenal Rocky analogy, you know where to find me.
Good, good.